What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Evolve You podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McEldery. Welcome on to this podcast. As we always do, we welcome on our first time listeners and our returning listeners. We appreciate each and every one of you for joining us just to say, hey, I'm going to spend a little bit of time with you and hear what you have to say and any of your guests that you bring on. And as you guys know, I am on this trend of bringing on a lot of interesting and exciting guests for you to share their expertise. Uh, on this podcast, we discuss health, business, and personal development to evolve you into the best version of yourself. So if that sounds good, sit back, relax, wherever you are, and enjoy this episode that we're about to dive into today. So I have an exciting guest with us. And uh, as always, I say to myself, well, uh, Brian, every guest is exciting. And I'm like, yes, every guest is exciting. I'm very intentional on this podcast about bringing certain guests on. So on today's episode, we're going to be discussing a few things, but I think um, as everyone is on edge right now, we, we need some hope. We need some optimism. We need some encouragement um, in the, the light of this pandemic that we're going through, where a lot of people are stressed, overwhelmed, doubtful, fearful, all those things. And today I have on my brother, a good friend, a fellow coach, Chad Harrigan. What's going on, man? What's going on, sir? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing wonderful. So Chad yeah. and I met very interestingly, mm-hmm. in, in, like very <laughs> like the guests that I have on the people I meet uh, is 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 so interesting how I meet them. And we were at a a fashion show. And people are like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were at a fashion show, <laughs> and we just started talking and engaging. I tell people all the time, Chad, that you never know who you're going to run into. So tell your story. Tell people who you are. And and uh, you never know how you could collaborate and connect. So we connected there, and we found out both of us were were coaches, life lifestyle consultants, um, executive coaches, and whatnot. And we had a very mm-hmm. similar story. We're from Alabama, like it just family from Alabama is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, uh, as I always do with my guests, I love to give them the floor and kind of tell a little bit about themselves and, and where they're from, what they're currently doing, and then we'll kind of dive into their story and uh, our topic for today. So Chad, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, let the people know who you are, man. So uh, thank you for having me, first off. Yeah, of course. Um, so I am from Anguilla, British West Indies. Um, moved to this country when I was a little, little kid. I've lived everywhere from all over Southern California, everywhere from Compton to Brooklyn. Um, ended up in Alabama by accident. <laughs> People are either um, passing through or end up there. Somehow. We were passing through <laughs> and passed through for about 10, 12 years. Yeah. Um, and my parents are actually still there. My dad has a clinic in Madison, has two clinics in Madison, Alabama. Um, and they love it. So, you know, yeah. I don't think they're ever going to leave. I couldn't convince them to move if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, but so I am a life consultant. Um, that means I'm a certified coach and consultant. Um, my company is called you can live now live stands for love, integrity, value for eternity. And we talk about living, loving, leading, how to build life after loss, um, how to, so I have a saying based on uh, my story, but basically when life kicks you in, in the gonads, I teach mm-hmm. you how to kick back. Yeah. 
you know? Um, and I think that now's the time for that. You know, um, I went to UT Dallas. There's a master's program in leadership and executive coaching. I have a degree in communication from the great Oakwood College, now known as Oakwood University, take six. You went there. Uh, I don't know if you know about Virtue, another gospel group, um, but it's a big musical school. Yeah. Um, big history of putting out a lot of doctors and and pastors so it's a really really great hbcu really small yeah but um what they produce is is a whole lot and it was a really great experience um i've been in dallas for 10 years actually moved to texas the week i got married um and it's because you know dallas has been for the past 10 years, one of the top five cities for black entrepreneurs and black executives. I've read that. Mm -hmm. And it was that. one of the reasons I moved here. I did Atlanta. Saturated. I liked Atlanta. My wife hated it. Mm -hmm. um, so Atlanta's, you know, off limits. But Dallas, we came here and it felt like home immediately. Yeah. Which was the most interesting thing for me, you know. We've gone, we've left and moved back. We like it so much. You know, um, Dallas has been good to us. Yeah. Had my wow. son here, you know, started my business here, discovered my purpose here. Um, yeah. You know, just a, a whole lot has been, has happened here. And I think it's based on atmosphere environment and purpose meeting up together mm. that are really you know in a really great combination like a good like a good recipe yeah and god just put certain things in place i hope that's okay if i talk about god no that's perfectly fine okay. we, we we welcome that on here okay, okay. <laughs> um you know I, I a lot of my a lot of my patients don't believe in god but mm. you know they believe in the universe i believe god is the universe so you know yeah. love it love uh, it man anyway but yeah 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 I, I think that's a great starting point and everyone knows this listening to my podcast as always i love to dive into people's stories and mm -hmm. we talked about that a little bit offline and diving into your story a little bit because i think as you know as a coach that tells so much about a person how yeah. they got to where they are and on this podcast you know i, I am a huge believer in how people evolve into the who they are because mm -hmm. we have experts everywhere but it's almost like as you said when you're discovering your purpose how do you even get there how do you even find hope mm -hmm. in the darkest of times so with that being said can you take us back a little bit to um either your childhood or a time where uh what were you doing when you came over and how did you know that you wanted to go into communications like how did that start up before you dove into coaching like what was that realm look like so i have always been okay so this is weird so okay quick quick nerd out history of coaching coaching actually comes out of the theater which is the weirdest pathway to um a psychology based profession yeah but um it 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 comes out of the idea of method acting 
So some of the earlier coaching practices dealt with um, you seeing yourself as someone that you're not, as something that you want to be, as you aspire to be, and in, in, in embodying that. Um, allowing yourself to be put into a mindset that you don't currently have um, to enable you to work your way from where you are to where you want to be. Now, that's neither here nor there, but entertainment was the original connection for it. Mm. My initial reason for getting into communication was because I've been an entertainer my whole life. There you go. Mm. Oddly enough, I'm a musician. So I've had two record deals, I've toured overseas. Um, I've been, I come from a musical family. Um, so I've been doing that forever. Communications was just a way to get on television in my head. Um, because that was a way to do the news, to host a television show. And that was a door to do whatever else you wanted. Yeah. I'm, I talk a lot. I'm good at, (laughs) you know, um, I'm a great salesperson. I did. I did restaurants. I've done a lot. I did restaurants for 12 years. Um, and I've been told I could sell ice to an Eskimo, which is great because right now it's a little cold out there. So, hey, hey. I'm going to have to sell <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I loved the idea of being around. I love people. I love being around people. I love talking to people. I love connecting to people. Um, and I think the the idea of being in front of people um, and anything where there are people around and it's me and either you directly or me and us. Mm-hmm. For me, um, that is very appealing. It, it works towards my nature. I am an extrovert. I can go into a room where I don't know anybody and I'm gonna leave with friends mm-hmm. and numbers. And people are gonna think, yeah, I've known this dude my whole life. That's just, it's how it, like, you been, have you ever been to South by Southwest? Yeah. So my first time ever going to South by Southwest, I had probably $200. Now, you know, getting a badge at South by Southwest was like a thousand or more if you want a good one. Mm-hmm. I hustled my way into a badge, into shows, into workshops and panels. Me and my $200, I made friends and I had the whole South by Southwest experience just because I'm good at connecting with people. Mm-hmm. It's just how I've always been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved that about communication. I love communicating. Yeah. It's one of the big, biggest parts of my coaching because there's so, even beyond my story, there's so much to it. So my dad is the oldest of 23 kids. 23? Yeah, I'm going to let that sink in for a second. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay. We're old school West Indian. Big family. Okay. Okay. So I grew up either living in my grandmother's house. Um, When we moved to the States, my grandmother moved. My dad first moved me, my mom, my grandmother, my two youngest uncles, two or three youngest uncles. are like a year, two years, three years older than me. Um, we all lived in a house in East LA. There's 11 of my dad's brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. You know, people are sleeping head to toe to fit in the bed. Um, and 
you have to be able to communicate with. Mm -hmm. There's too many voices. You have to be able to be heard. Yeah. You have to be able to stand out. Um, we are very blunt. We are, we are, we debate. And for us, it's fun. Yeah. Other people see it as arguing, but in our house, even if you're right, if you don't win the argument, you lose. <laughs> so we've just always been like, you know, I grew up and that's how you had to be. You had to, you had to stake your claim, make your voice heard, be known, communicate directly and communicate well. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's always been very important. Um, in all, in all areas, communication matters so much. Yeah. And I think when I got to college, I thought that's what communication, a communication degree was, was really focusing on that. Um, I see that theme happen in my life a lot, where the, I, what I think is the thing that I'm doing turns out to be a little bit different, but exactly what I needed. Mm -hmm. Does that, make sense? that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. So when you are going through this matriculation um, from music, because I think that's a huge point, mm -hmm. music to communication, you've gotten record deals, you are mm -hmm. you're meeting all types of people, um, you are that man. And I love to discover, and I think we talked about this again offline in, in our, our lunch meeting, is where was this point where you felt um, either insecure or you were broken down or, or tell us a little bit about maybe a failure that you had early on that may have shifted your mindset into redirecting um, your, your career, your personal life, and, and we'll kind of dive into what you're doing now with, with coaching and emotional wellness and how you actually coach people. So you're asking about what, what that pathway was yes. to get from the pivot. Yeah, there was, there's always so, a breaking point, as we know, yeah, in, in yeah, our yeah, lives. Yeah. So this, this is less about an actual failure, more what felt like a failure. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been married for 10 years. It's my second marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and I never wanted kids. My wife never wanted kids. It was actually one of the things that we connected on mm. when we started dating. It was like, okay, we're aligned on what we're looking for out of life. Oddly enough, one of the things that let me know she was the one is one day I was like, I could actually have kids with you. Mm. But I still don't want them. Yeah. But I could actually have kids. If it happened, it'd be all right. And she <laughs> felt the same way. Okay. We'd, we'd figure it out. So we get married, um, we move to Texas, you know, uh, we practice the praying, the play and pray. Um, and one day my wife, we're sitting at her parents' house and she texts me. We're sitting right across from each other, but she don't want to say nothing. She texts me, she says, um, I think I'm pregnant. And it was funny, I was like, yeah, I know. I, I, I've been feeling like that for like two weeks now. Hmm. And I didn't want to say anything because I was like, mm-mm, Jesus. Is it, you wouldn't do is that. It, is it, yeah, you wouldn't do that then to it. <laughs> but, it turned, but it turns out it was. So what happened is that my wife, us getting pregnant, and here's, here's the real key to that, and here's why this was significant. 
we had actually been trying unsuccessfully for nine months. Mm. So my wife really wanted, changed her mind all of a sudden. Um, and I was like, all right, let's try. Yeah. Turns out my wife had a, a, a mass in her uterus that was the size of a grapefruit. Mm. And it was one of the reasons we couldn't get pregnant. They were gonna operate. We watched this thing called Fat, this documentary called Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead. We do, it's a 60 day juicing fast. We do the juicing fast. She goes back to get checked up before the operation. Mass is gone, they can't find it. We get pregnant three months later. I'll let that be what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. Health, how about yes. that? Um, <laughs> so us getting pregnant changed my life. It changed everything for me. It redefined who I was as a person. Mm-hmm. From the moment she, like, it was like a switch. From the moment she told me she was pregnant, I, I wasn't scared. Um, outside of the normal fear of what am I going to do with a, a whole person? Yeah. Make that work. Yeah. Um, yeah. What stage was this? Was this like, how old were you? What was this after college? Obviously like what stage oh, were, yeah, you, were yeah, you still yeah, doing yeah. music? Like this is where I, I didn't, I haven't stopped doing music. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. stopped music periodically, but everything up until this point, Everything, every job, every I've owned the business since I was in high school. Yeah. Um, I was creating mobile apps. We ran the, we had a mobile app company called PB and J Mobile, um, for peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> and we were, we were in Austin at the time, and we had moved from Dallas. We were in Austin for a little bit, um. We ran the only minority-owned mobile app company in the city for a while. Um, and I got to present for my second South by Southwest yeah. for the Black Chamber of Commerce there. So that was a, that was a good time. Um, and I, it was one of those things where you do websites, graphic design. I've always been an artist of some sort, um, whether it was visual or musical. Um, and that turned into branding, that turned into consulting. So things were going well. Yeah. Um, and because I had done restaurants, that was our target market because I knew the business. I traveled around the country opening restaurants, working with different companies doing that. Um, and was even starting a restaurant consulting firm at, at the time. Yeah. So things are going really, really well. Um, I, it was 2012, um, yeah, so it was, it was 2012. This is way after college. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was 16 when I started college and I graduated uh, five years later, um, cause I changed majors, but anyway, yeah. that's neither here nor there. Okay. Okay. So this is. This is going well. We're just like, I'm in it. I'm a dad now, loving it. We have, we move, we're back in Dallas. Um, we have this really, really great spot in Deep Ellum. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
love, oh man, I, it probably the, the favorite house that, that we've ever had because it was like the Batcave. It was, it, was, it was so great. If you guys are listening, Deep Ellum is an eclectic spot in, in Dallas. Yeah. It's up and coming, yeah. bars, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Everything. Yeah. Um, what was cool about the house is you couldn't tell the inside from the out. When, when you looked outside, you'd just pass it and think it was just an, another rando spot. But when mm -hmm. you go inside, it's like, oh. Yeah. It was dope. Um, so we have our son. Um, and like, I fell in love immediately. My wife was in labor for like 56 hours. It was. Wow. It was crazy. Wow. Um, but that was great. So a, a few, about, I would say six months after that, because um, we were staying with her parents so they could help. She could be close to her mom, all that good stuff. Because um, her parents moved to Texas about a year before we moved to Texas. Yeah. Because we talked about moving to Texas, and they're real tight like that. Um. So then we moved to this little town called Sonora. And I know I'm giving a whole lot of detail, but it, it's, it, it all yeah. is important. Um, we moved to this town called Sonora in Southwest Texas. Uh, there is, if you take the 10 going from San Antonio to California, there's a gas station you pass along the way. And then there's nothing for like a hundred miles on either side. Or, you know, I'm exaggerating. But that gas station is Sonora. Two stoplights, maybe 2,000 people. Me, mm. my wife, and my son, um, we were the black community. <laughs> but they were paying her six figures yeah. to run this clinic. So, all right. They paid for the house. It was a beautiful house. Um, and I was a stay-at-home dad. I worked from home with me and CJ. And we played and had a ball all day, every day. It was great. Then 2014, the week of October 9th, um, CJ's teething at this time. And this is right before his second birthday. He's, he was born on 12, 12, 12. Um, he gets a fever. We had put him in daycare. Uh, so, cause there are tons of little kids his age, wanted him to be able to play with kids his age instead of just being stuck with me all day. Cause mm -hmm. I would have, I, he would come with me to meetings all this kind of stuff um he it just it wasn't fun for him yeah get fever we think it's a teething fever they send him home give him some Tylenol. the regular regimen is you give him tylenol um when the fever comes about two or three days teething fever's gone he's good to go yeah two or three days later fever's still here took him to his doctor she did blood work said Give him some iron, he'll be fine. This was on a Monday. Wednesday morning, my son is dead. Mm. So we go back, he's still not getting better, he's not eating. We take him to another hospital. They do a chest x-ray, he's got pneumonia in all four lobes of his lungs. They fly him to Children's Hospital in San Antonio. And 
a series of ball dropping happens at each hospital. Mm -hmm. So the doctors are like, you know, he's going to get worse before he gets better, but he's going to be okay. They did not realize how bad off he was. His organs had already started failing. It was in his system so long it went into, got into his bloodstream, his body was going septic. Yep. And so there was that. Yeah. You know, I think and I'm not going to go full into that. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not crying yeah, on your show. We're not yeah, 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 man. Hey, I've had it many a times. <laughs> um, um, but, but I love that you, and I appreciate you opening up uh, mm-hmm. as you did. And if anyone's listening right now, if you've lost a child or lost any loved one, you know the feeling. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a great pivot point at this point to go into exactly what and why you're doing what you're doing now. Yeah. How you bring out hope and optimism in the darkest of times, right? Yeah. And um, can you dive into what, if you're coaching somebody, right? If someone's listening mm-hmm. right now and now they're in this emotional state where they're, they're feeling what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And even during these times of COVID-19, they're like, I, I just lost all hope and faith. I don't know what's next. I'm uncertain. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you tell somebody in that moment the first thing maybe for them to do and being maybe aware or, or your strategy or your methods you may have. So one of the things that people want to know, and which is funny um, because in coaching, they tell you it doesn't matter if you've experienced what people have experienced. Mm-hmm. Say that to say that to your patients and see if they agree. Yeah. They want to know that you understand them that you can relate, that you feel what they're feeling. Um, Because while we say that, there's also the principle of coaching that you can never take someone somewhere you haven't been. So I actually can't help you find, have develop hope, find optimism, resilience, build grit, if I haven't had to do it myself. I have to be able to work. Mm -hmm. And they wanna know that. One of the first things you have to do is acknowledge. Because yeah. here's the truth. We cannot, there's a saying that God can't bless who you pretend to be. So in like manner, we can't pretend stuff isn't happening. We can't pretend we're not, we're not afraid. We can't pretend we're not experiencing the stress and anxiety that we have because we can't do anything about it if we don't acknowledge it. Yeah. First thing is to say, okay, how are you feeling? What's actually going on with you? And once you acknowledge the negative thoughts, the negative feelings, the, the, the fear, the anxiety and the stress, the depression, then we get to, okay, now, are these thoughts and feelings real? Or are they just thoughts or feelings? Remember, Perspective is reality. Mm-hmm. So we have to actually sit in that and spend some time analyzing it. For some people, they, the things that they're feeling and thinking are actually happening. So we're not trying to deny, we're not pretending they're not happening, we're not being dismissive, but for others, they're just reacting mm-hmm. to what's out there. You're you trying know, to come it's, to this acknowledgement point for you them. You have to. Yep. You, you absolutely get them have there to go. realize it. 
with my with my um, with my patients, there are four non-negotiables that I have. Mm-hmm. Four commitments that you have to make to me and to yourself. One is unconditional honesty. The next is intentional awareness. Mm-hmm. That's where they those two are where the acknowledgement come in. Intense accountability and emotional courage. Mm-hmm. So we are not, I'm not asking you for the details of your sex life. I don't care what you do, but what we're not going to do is play stupid. Mm-hmm. What we're not going to do is lie to ourselves. You're definitely not going to lie to me because I'm going to call you out on it. I'm a challenger by nature. Yeah. People mistakenly pick me for that reason because yeah. I'm very clear about it. Yeah. So I'm going to call you on your stuff. But when you can do that, good or bad, We've got to know who you are as a person, where you are in life. You've got to set that baseline. Foundationally, we can get to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. We can work our way there. We can develop a plan. We can, we can create that pathway and those steps. Yeah. We can deal with those challenges. But who are you really? Where are you? What are you really feeling? What are the real struggles? What's actually happening versus what's I'm feeling like it's happening? Mm-hmm all of those feelings and thoughts are legitimate yeah. and they matter because they're your experience, but let's actually see what's reality versus just reactionary. That's good. That's good. I think a lot of people try to skip that step, right? They try to come mm-hmm. to us um, and you and, and they say, well, I just want this result. Can you help me? And when yeah. you slow things down, they get into this emotional state. Uh, can you tell mm-hmm. us about uh, maybe a client of yours, a patient of yours that, uh, of course, no name dropping or anything like that, but maybe something that you mm-hmm. experienced mm-hmm. that they had just this revelational experience. Um, it, can you maybe take us through that a little bit of what that looked like for them? For someone that said, hey, so, I, they're very quick, right? Because you, you work with a lot of executives, high mm-hmm. level people, and they're, they're moving very quickly. Yeah. And when you slow them down, but also challenge them when they're normally the challenger and the person that's, you know, giving the orders yeah. out, they yeah, have yeah, to yeah. sit back, right? So I had, um, I had this young lady who was really struggling with what to do about a relationship. Mm. Um, I think I've fallen out of love with my partner. Um, I've got kids with another partner, kids with this partner. And this person's just really not my type. Mm. Um, I'm still communicating with my ex. And, you know, I'm trying to do all these different things in my life. And she's super, super vague, you know, but I want, her thing was, I want you to tell me what to do. I want you to, I want, I'm here for your advice. First, first thing is for me is like, well, I'm not going to give you my advice. Why not? Cause you're statistically going to do what you want at the end of the day anyway. So why don't we use your human nature to help you figure out what you want? As we are working through, um, we start with values. Okay. Uh, a lot of times we end up starting with values. Um, it's a process that I work through, uh, in all of my coaching. And so it's basically broken down into three parts, clarity, strategy, activity. Mm-hmm. 
So we have to, this is where we're in unconditional honesty, intentional awareness, acknowledging who you are. Values are like your compass. They tell us what we say no to, they tell us what we say yes to. Um, and a lot of times we have the habit of, we wanna pick all the aspirational values. This is, <laughs> this is popular. This is what a person that I'd like to be does or believes. And my thing is, no, we're not gonna do that. I want you to pinpoint your top five values. So now you have to separate what's good from what's great. Mm -hmm. Separate what's actual from the nice to haves. I don't care about what you aspire to. What do you value for real? Yeah. What are your actions really telling you? Because you only get five. I can give you a list of 30 words. You only get five. What are the real values that you have? And let's start there because mm -hmm. all your actions. So as she's telling me, um, my career is great. I've been doing really, really well. I've worked really hard. I'm working at this huge tech company. Um, I, you know, but I really care about relationships and love. And, and that's the thing that really matters to me because I don't, I'm not sure here I've got doubts and I'm, and I'm, and I'm feeling, I'm feeling like this, that, and the third, but none of her values said anything about love and relationships. They were ambition, uh, freedom, self-expression, um, trust, uh, and there was one more and I can't remember, but I asked her uh, if this matters so much to you, why, weren't, why wasn't any of that part of your values? And she was like, huh, that's a... <laughs> that's that breakthrough moment we're always... That's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point you're making right there. Yeah. You know, um, and she really, and, and after thinking, and you know, I'm, I'm really good at silence. Mm-hmm. You have to, to be as a coach, as a leader. It makes people, it makes people extra uncomfortable. I, I probably take it too far, but I, it's, it's intentional. Because mm -hmm. um, I'll look, we'll look at each other like that P. Diddy meme where he's looking at the guy from the mask and they're just staring, yeah. trying to have a stare off. I will do that. Yeah. And eventually, you know, she's like, you know, it's honestly, I have some doubts. Yeah. I want to get married but I have some doubts because these things have happened. Hmm. And it was, and it turns out, because this is probably session three. So the specifics that she had been dancing around. Yeah. Thinking I wouldn't notice. This is, these were the specifics. And yeah. she had to really admit it. And she hated the idea of saying it out loud. Because in her mind, if she said it out loud, that makes it real. Mm -hmm. And if that makes it real, then that means there's something we have to deal with because she can't pass it off as he's just not my type yeah. or, or, you know, he's not like my ex. Mm -hmm. There are actual doubts. And it turned out the things that she was doubting had less to do with him and more to do with her. And she didn't want to admit those things. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Um, I do believe there are a lot of people in that situation that are listening right now. And the point that I got out of that, that what you said was when you speak it into existence and you have that awareness and acknowledgement moment and kind of that mm -hmm. breakthrough 
through our silence techniques, they come into awareness and have to vocalize it after you've instructed maybe to do so. Mm -hmm. and they have to speak it. And when they come into that acknowledgement phase of, oh man, this is something I have to deal with, but it's something I've been avoiding for mm -hmm. so long subconsciously, right? Yeah. They maybe knew it, but now they're really having to face it and it's in front of their face physically. Um, so we, we talked offline a little bit about this hope on demand and, and how mm -hmm. to, I, I kind of want to make this very relational to what people are going through now too. So mm -hmm. we've talked about your clients. We've talked about, um, you know, your, your strategy of coaching a little bit and how you've gotten to where you are. And I think a lot of people right now are looking for hope on demand. Like I need it mm -hmm. now. You know, if you want to bring spirituality yeah. into this, they're like, God, I'm praying. Like I, I need this now like, before you maybe yeah. weren't even praying. So when people are looking for hope and optimism during these rough times that we're going through, you know, people have lost jobs, their financial situation has shifted or either they're still in the same place, but they don't know what they're going to come back to after this. Um, and now they're stuck yeah. in their own heads. Right. So what would you tell somebody of how to maybe evoke hope out of their themselves um, or where to even find it? Because a lot of times people look outside of themselves and now they're stuck in isolation trying to figure out. And we're like, that's why we're here, guys. <laughs> Talk this out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's why life coaches, <laughs> consultants are here. Uh, but for someone that's like, hey, I'm trying to figure this out myself. Um, is there any guidance you can maybe give somebody in trying to oh, yeah. give that hope on so, demand? Let's talk about what hope is. Yeah, first. Yeah, that's good. So Webster's defines hope as a noun. Um, it's basically the expectation that something you want will happen. Mm -hmm. um, or you could say it's the belief that something you desire can come to pass. Um, Hope says that better is possible, that there's more, um, that, you know, the verse says, uh, faith is a substance of things hoped for. Now, in that sentence, hope isn't a noun. Mm -hmm. Hope is a verb. Webster's Dictionary also defines hope as a verb, saying it's not just the desire that something you want will happen, but the actual belief um, in further uh, linguistic studies shows that means that the actions you take speak to that belief. So then we would say it's not just the, the belief that something you want will come to pass, but that you also play a part in it. Mm. So here's the interesting thing. So hope helps us deal with stress, anxiety, uh, depression, um, trauma. Yep. There are, there are literally over 2,000 studies that have been done, psychological and scientific, on the phenomenon of hope. Um, and in all of them, every single one, hope has been the number one predictor of a life well lived after surviving trauma. Mm -hmm. Every single one. In this case, though, um, we're not talking about the feelings. We're not dealing with our existential connection to the idea of hope. You know, the feelings are why we love superhero movies. Exactly. Why we love romance stories where the two lovers finally end up together at the end. Um, it's why we love the underdog. Here, 
when we talk about the act of creating hope, you have to acknowledge what hopelessness is. When we feel hopeless, we feel out of options and possibilities. It's not just that um, I feel sad or that you know I'm grieving. It's that I see no way out of the situation. I, my belief is that this is what it is now. This is all I have. There's nothing beyond this. When I feel hopeless, I feel powerless. It's called clinical despair. I feel powerless. I feel helpless. You know, to have hope is to be empowered. It's to be able to see options and opportunities and possibilities. So when we're looking at creating hope, that's where we work. I work through clarity strategy activity. The cool thing was, um, it's called hope theory. So there, and I'm not going to go into all the, the nerdy research, um, but there are two versions of a similar process and approach. Uh, one that was taken by a, by a doctor who deals with clinical um, psychiatric patients. Mm-hmm. And their, their intention was to see how hope affects people with clinical psychological um, diagnoses. The other was just general everyday hope. Um, or people that are dealing with general problems and issues, kind of like what we're dealing with. Not, I wouldn't say Corona is general, but kind of what we're dealing with here. Yeah. Where we're not talking about uh, psychosis and, and things of that nature. Um, so the concept says, basically, do I have to feel it in order to do it? Or can I start to do it basically can I start to take the steps and see myself doing those things? And then because I see myself accomplishing the steps, I start to believe. So you're what almost reversing the actionality strategy clarity. Is that what you're saying? Is almost reversing that your method. Yeah. Um, that's what the study is. We, it's a hang up that a lot of us have. Um, that I have to feel the feelings in order mm-hmm. to do the actions. Mm-hmm. And it's a misnomer. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes I have to, there's a really good movie on Prime. Uh, I think it's called Becky Runs a Marathon. Okay. And in one of the scenes, so she's, she's overweight, she wants to start getting her life together, she goes to run this marathon, starts to train. She's never exercised. She puts on clothes, puts on her exercise gear. She doesn't have, doesn't even have running shoes. She has some chucks. Okay. (laughs) And it takes her 30 minutes to step outside of her door onto the block. She has so much anxiety about even attempting Mm -hmm. this whole process. She gets to the end of her block and she says, I just have to run one block. She runs the block and ends up running around the four blocks of her, of her area to get back to her house. And she was like, oh, every time she got to a corner, she said, it's just one block. Where before the scene building up to it, I can't do this. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this. I can't even run a block. She ran four her first day. Yeah. As she started to do the thing that she felt powerless to have control over. Then she started to believe. 
Mm-hmm. And she, the great thing is we don't, you don't have to see the end from the beginning. Mm-hmm. We just need enough to see the next step. That's because powerful. it doesn't actually take much. No. A little goes, one block equals one mile. Yeah. When it comes to hope. That's one powerful. block equals one mile. That's powerful. So, yep. So, okay. We work through the process of our goal setting, storytelling, visualization. Then when we get to strategy, what are the actual steps? What's it going to take for me to get from here to there? And then what are the challenges? Mm-hmm. So intertwined in this, we've worked through, we go through values, um, and then we identify the challenges we're going to have. And as you go into hope theory, the, the strategy is called pathways. Um, Activity is called agency because we we start to analyze your locus of control, mm. um, and as we know, locus of control is is the feeling of power control that you have over your life and yourself and your situation. So, do you feel in control? What what do you feel? We deal with all these internal and external challenges, and then when we get to activity, then this is our if this then that. <laughs> now we deal with what what is taking these steps like in real life and then if this challenge happens then i'll do that if that challenge happens then i'll do this because the idea that hope is the ability to identify opportunities possibilities and options means that i'm going to figure out a way to either work around it or push through it mm-hmm. but if i only see one way and that way is blocked and I've stopped there, then this is my life now. This is all there is and there's nothing more. But when you're like, well, I may not have, I may not have all this money, but I got this. Mm. I may not be able to do this whole event, but I can do this small one. Yeah. I may not be able to do that, but I can do this little bit. I can start here. It may not be as, I may not have, the whole camera and it may not be as pretty and, and I may not have the glossy graphics and, and, and the cool video, but I've got this phone. I can start with that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, she may not forgive me, but we can start talking. Yeah. We can have a conversation. Wow. I think that's a great pivot point right there because what I initially was was asking it it all resulted into you stating that right there there are so many people that are dealing with this stuff on the front lines at home in isolation Mm -hmm. and they're looking for actionable steps and they're losing hope and they're Mm -hmm. there they don't even know how to you know bring it up on demand you know with but they're bringing up netflix and hulu on demand (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know how can you People feel trapped. They feel trapped. People feel trapped right now. And they don't see, and I love that you made that that correlation with the movie. They don't see that one little thing can build on the momentum mm-hmm. and how powerful momentum is in yeah. understanding that each and every block that you go through is, yeah. is another stepping stone to you getting to that end result that you may not even see or can't even visualize, but you started on the path. So you used a really good word, um, pivot. Yes. And 
the reason I think it's so significant. So like, I, I'll give you some examples from this week um, and from last week. Uh, all of my, so I, I contract with a few tech companies, everybody's on work from home. Mm-hmm. Now what you have, my clients for some reason right now are in two categories. Either they are single and have nobody in their house, so they feel completely alone, mm-hmm. or they are parents who all of a sudden have their kids 24 <laughs> seven and they are not prepared. Yeah. So my single people are lonely. They didn't prepare. They're not stocked up. Yep. Um, they are struggling with the idea of working by themselves. And so here, we've got to talk about expectations. This is another very important part. Does it matter what it looks like or does it matter that the thing gets done? Mm. Which is another version of do you have to feel it to do it? So can you change your expectation of what interaction is supposed to look like and figure out something that's going to work for you? One of the things that we're launching um, and that I do with some of my friends and colleagues is we do virtual co-working. Mm-hmm. So literally, you get everybody in Google Hangout or Zoom, everybody's doing their work. But if I want to see somebody and chop it up for a second, yeah, there's a ton of people on the screen. Yep. Hey, I have this idea. Hey, did you hear about this? Hey, we're talking about that. And I'm not looking at you, or I am, but I'm looking at my, I'm getting my work done. So it's kind of like we're in the office. Mm-hmm. You know, and instead of being so focused on what I don't have, what can you have yeah. in this place? You know, I have a, I have a parent was so excited. He planned, all right, it's going to be me and the kids and my wife for 30 days. I've got all these educational activities. I've got 30 days worth planned. He freaks out the first day because once they're done with the educational activity he planned, he doesn't know what to do next. You know, schools are giving the parents, here's the homework, here's the lessons. Yeah. They didn't get him that yet. And because he freaked out, because he was like, and I'm going to tell you the thought process before I tell you what he did. The thought process was, if I don't, entertain or occupy my children's attention the entire time while I'm trying to do my work, I'm a bad parent. Expectations. I should be able to do naturally what a trained teacher does because I'm a parent. Expectations. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't even be a thing. I don't need to prepare. I'm a dad. I got this. (laughs) Naturally. So, because he freaked out, he did, he called, he's like, can we have an emergency session? I was like, what happened? He said, uh, we did 30 days worth of science activities in one week. I have nothing planned for these kids for the rest of the month. I'm a horrible, I'm a horrible dad. They're going to take my kids away. My wife oh, is going to think I'm a failure. But he, he just, and so, 
setting the right expectations of what the experience is supposed to happen or, or what this isolation is supposed to feel like, it really, really matters. Mm-hmm. You have to set healthy boundaries. Yep. You have to have a routine because it matters. What worked for you while you were at the office? For some people, they struggle because it was actually getting out of the house. That I exactly. exactly. You know, I had a co-working space Escape. for that reason. <laughs> right. Um, and so I had, I had one client, he said, and he had the most clever idea, and he said, it's going to sound ridiculous, but I literally get dressed, brush my teeth, have breakfast, like I'm going to work, get in my car. Mm. And I drive around the block and come back to my house, walk into a different door. So it feels like yeah. I'm going in, you know, and I'm, and I'm like, this is where it does it matter what it looks like or does it matter that the thing gets done? What do you need? How can you give it to yourself? Mm. So this is where the awareness comes in because now we're, we're this is, it's almost like, how we're acknowledging who we are as a person, but we're really looking at, okay, what, why did this work for me? What about it worked? Yeah. How do I create some semblance of that so that it works for me here? Why is this, why is this isolation demotivating for me? Mm-hmm. How, do I, how do I, what do I respond well to? Yeah. What don't I respond well to? What do I need to give myself? These things are so important and it's important to give yourself some grace, cut yourself some slack because when we have mismanaged expectations, that's when that hopelessness starts to set in because we've limited our vision and it has to look this way or it's, it's either black and white. We're tossing the baby out with the bathwater when we, we can't be flexible and allow ourselves the space to see more possibilities, you know? Yeah. Wow. I, I think this has been amazing, man. Um, what I like to do at this point is I always open it up to my guests for two questions. <clears throat> mm-hmm. One is to ask, how are you evolving? And the second is, what are some lasting words that you want to leave with our audience of how they can either, you know, uh, get hope on demand, something they maybe can implement right now. And there you can be a cliffhanger because I always open it up. All of his show notes, everything will be down mm-hmm. in the show notes to connect with Chad. So um, what are you working on now? What is something that you're doing with yourself that how you're evolving and then, you know, leaving some lasting words with our audience? Um, okay. So for the first question on how I'm, I'm evolving, I'm putting into practice the same things. Mm. Um, So for me, I'm diabetic. So I am more vulnerable to the virus. So I I can't leave the house as frequently Mm -hmm. as my wife can. Um, So one of the things is I'm using the time as an opportunity to actually catch up on a lot of the things that I've been putting off for myself personally, be they hobbies, um, some fitness and health things. Um, So I have an exercise routine. I'm really leaning into deeper meditation. You know, uh, a lot of times we know what to do. And as coaches, we're we're guilty of this. Where I'll tell you to do it, but I'm not gonna do it. (laughs) 
I, because I, I meditate with my clients during sessions. Yep. Um, but I need to do it on my own. So I have, I've actually, and here it is, but I actually have my own schedule mm, that intentionally in the schedule, instead of expecting that I'm just going to do all the things that I want to do, I have, t- I have space for uh, what I call BMS, body, mind, soul. Mm-hmm. So my exercise, my meditation, for me, my Bible study. Yeah. Um, I have intentional space for learning, um, hobbies, things I want to develop. Yeah. And then space for actual clients and then working on my business. So my day is full because what I find is that I'm going to waste time. Oh, of course. But when I have less time to waste, I waste less time. Mm-hmm. When I have nothing but space, it's like the wild, wild west and the whole day is gone. Yeah. I could, yeah. I could have been playing video games or something and just been like, eh, I'll give myself another hour. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And, I, and, I, and for me, I do well with structure. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn that. I learned that the hard way. So I created structure for myself. I do well in a box. Yeah. Um, for the second question, yeah. Hope on Demand is actually my signature coaching program course in mm-hmm. a book that I'm writing right now. Um, you know what we can do? Since uh, I'm doing it as a coaching program, we can do a discount code for your listeners. Yeah, love that. If they'd like, and we'll actually walk through the process yeah. of clarity strategy and activity. Because while I gave you the overview of this all, it's when you really get into it, there's a whole lot yep. That, yep. that's a part of it. Um, so we'll do that. Um, okay. We'll just do Evolve You. Yeah, that's fine. I'll link that okay. down in the show notes for you guys. So check that out. Um, yeah, love it. Yeah. Okay. I think that's leaving a cliffhanger right there, man. Uh, I I love, I love cliffhangers. I love people to uh, get what they can out of this podcast. And it's on here for that reason, for people to get value. And I think the way you've described hope and optimism uh, through your strategy of clarity, strategy, obviously, and actionality and other details that you put in there has definitely helped somebody on here. And guys, if you do feel like it is giving you value, connect with Chad, ask him questions, jump on a free call with him, jump on, you know, whatever calls and and services that he has available and all of his stuff uh, will be down in the show notes for you guys. So with that being said, Chad, thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate you. Absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah. 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 So again, guys, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, please go ahead and give us a rating and review, share it out to your family, your friends, your loved ones, whoever you think that might could benefit from this episode. If it was you, that's great. If you said, hey, I have a friend, family member, loved one that needs this, shoot it their way. And uh, again, Chad's stuff will be down in the show notes and we'll see you guys in the next episode.